everybody, and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do, the UK's premier RPG podcast. Unfortunately, Baz can't be with us again this time, but fear not, I've got a stunt Baz and not Guy, so you can hold back on the pitchforks and torches, you can stop your letters of complaint. I've got a superior, some might say, stunt Baz, from the uh, Grubno Files podcast, Dirk the Dice. How are you doing, Dirk? I'm great, thanks, guys. Good to be on again. As uh, I said last time, I'm the unknown stunt Baz, the one that makes the real one look so good. <laughs> That's very good. I'm, I'm <laughs> looking forward to seeing the, the blonde lady in the bikini stood in the background somewhere, but I'm, I'm sure Bladdy will do that for us in a minute. Or <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's there somewhere. He's just getting changed. Yeah. Well, for those who don't know who Bladdy is, you should check out the Grognor Files podcast, which uh, Dirk runs because it's... Uh, one of the other triumvirate of uh, UK Premier RPG podcasts, I would say. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it, for those who don't know? Yeah, sure. Um, we've been going for a while now, and uh, it all started because we got back into gaming after a hiatus, or the deep freeze, as we call it, and we started playing again, and the podcast started, really, us talking about our rediscovery of games. And since then, we've really got back into the hobby and started playing a whole host of different games so it's expanded out from there and um, so we talk about all kinds of stuff the last one was all about monster of the week which was a game that came out this century believe wow. it or not gaz you're almost bang up to date now you'll soon be talking about what games will happen in the future <laughs> yeah it's mainly it's mainly uh, 80s games that we uh, look at the games that we were playing back in the day but we do try and put a different perspective on it and try and reflect on how gaming's changed. And we have a whole host of interviews with uh, people talking about their experiences uh, back in the day and uh, gaming. Yeah, it's, good. it's been going well. And uh, thanks for you, because you gave us a, a boost early on. You invited me on to talk about RuneQuest and Cows. And through that, found a whole host of people. So thanks to you and Baz for that. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Well, we've got you on this time. Talking to Monster of the Week, thought we might talk about zombies. The the genre, the games, what we can do with them. It seems like um, a perennial favourite with the success of The Walking Dead and, well, going back into history to Romero movies and all kinds of things. It's, it's one of those uh, genres that never seems to go out of fashion, would you say? Definitely. And it's, uh, it's changed, hasn't it? I think it's unique, I think, in that... It's a monster that was created by cinema, really, mm. because it doesn't really have any literary precedent. The word zombie came from Haiti, and it was uh, a guy called uh, William Seabrook who popularised it in a book in the 1929. And he brought it over, and, and cinema got hold of this word and started using it because it was a good way of having cheap extras who were not in the unions and... <laughs> They didn't have to speak and they didn't have to express very much. So the cinema really fell in love with uh, zombies early on. And then you could say the modern uh, zombies been defined by gaming because it's um, computer games in the late 90s, wasn't it? Resident Evil and that kind of thing yeah, that yeah. really propelled it into uh, the mainstream. And I've got a theory that it's Goldeneye that caused that. Do you know why? Because GoldenEye's NPCs used to fall on the ground and they used to clutch the wounds and look pitiful. And I, I used to feel guilty killing me. You were James Bond shooting these mooks and they were writhing on the floor. And I said, sorry, 
um, but I'm going to have to do this. But if you create have zombies to shoot at, you can do it without fear or favour, can't you? You don't. There's, you know, they they're dead already. So that's my theory. That's why I think zombies are popular down to Goldeneye. You know, I was going to mention that actually as well because one of the classic sort of fantasy baddies for years has been orcs. But then more and more recently, there's more sensibility about it, and and D and D have changed all the monsters, so there's no evil monsters per se; they're just different or alien or whatever it might be. But yeah, there's a, there's kind of like a moral quandary with any kind of group or faction or race or whatever that you put in there. But if it's um if it's an animated body, I guess it's fair game, right? You, it's hard work feeling guilty about it, and it cutting something about up that's already dead. Yeah, yeah, can't kill it; it's already dead. So. Yeah, and I think some of the features, and we'll probably go on to talk about that, won't we? Because, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this because we share a love of Korean uh, zombies, and we perhaps oh, yes. talk about how Korean zombies work differently in cinema. But, um, yeah, some of the features that you see of zombies, like that, the Remoro um, uh, zombies were kind of slow-moving flesh-eaters and uh, shambling along, weren't they? And... Uh, They've got faster, haven't they, <laughs> since the end of the 90s? Yeah, I think 28 Days Later was the one I can remember that really put it on its head and made him just like sprint at people. I think one of the early scenes of that's like there's a petrol station or something and some get set on fire, but there's like these unstoppable things just running on fire, still trying to devour someone's flesh. Yes. That makes them a whole different level of scary. But there's, there's kind of, there are different elements to, to having zombies, and this applies for games as it does for movies in terms of what they bring so that the sort of slow moving ones can become a, an inexorable tide can't they, they're just constantly there and they keep popping up when you're not expecting them and there's always more and they become a horde or whatever the, the term is you want to use when they get more and more of them and quite often it's not even zombies that are the thing is it, a lot of uh, fans will tell you that it's more about the humans and how they act with the pressure of that environment around them. Yeah definitely because the early ones, like the ones that were in the B movies back in the uh, 30s and 40s they were often just automatons hmm. that were animated by sorcery usually some kind of voodoo sorcery although there is uh, there is one I've got me uh, Dennis Gifford book of pictorial horror I've had this since I was a kid and uh, I've been studying here there was one and I haven't seen this one but Revenge of the Zombies with uh, John Carradine as Von Altman a Nazi scientist who created a zombie army and so uh, you get that don't you uh, sorcerers and particularly in AD&D and the monster manual they're slow moving uh, animated by necromancers and they uh, do potentially do jobs around the place and moving uh, a familiar line and uh, they, they have a function and a utility but I think uh, what changes as well with the speed is this idea of contagion and possession. So they become less about being animated by sorcery, more about they've got something that they might infect you with. Mm. Yeah, I was going to mention that. When we talk about zombies, as we're going to do over the next few minutes, I think we're talking about anything that's like that, Well, whether it's like space worms, or a virus, or you know, whatever it is, we don't necessarily necessarily mean undead, do we? It could be just like those mindless horrors, I guess it is. Or mm. they look like people, but they're not, and they might they might spread the disease. They might not. They might 
just be animated by sorcery, but we really mean those kind of like shambling, single-minded humanoids that uh, almost like machines in a way to an extent. That like you can't reason with them, you can't bargain, you can't you know you, they just have a goal or a purpose and just follow it mindlessly. Yeah. It's that irrationality where the horror is, isn't it? That face with mm. that relentlessness that, as you say, you can't reason with them because they have no reason and it's been taken away from them by whatever's motivating their attack. Mm. So that's what makes them, I guess, scary as an adversary. Yeah, I remember there was a series of game books, which I can't remember the title of now. I probably should have looked it up. But um, you played a ninja... I think, and all the covers of the books I do in there, like the classical black ninja garb, and you could do like a spinning horse kick or something, and there's some other bits and pieces. But one particular one, there's a flesh golem which came after you, and it just pursued you for page after page. And even when you thought you got away, it just like turned up again. You're like, oh god, how do I stop this thing? And that would get, you know, even though it's a, a choose your own adventure, but I got a proper sense of dread from that, thinking I can't. I've kicked it in the head three times and put it down. It just keeps getting up and coming. It's clawed its way out of the chasm and stuff and coming after me. And that kind of the, the inexorable, just like like there's no way out. It's, it's almost like death itself because you you know however long we live, ultimately you're going to die and you can't escape that. But it feels more proactive than that. It? It's coming after you. Something's following you, and you always you always have to try and keep ahead of it. Or there's no safe place. There's no respite. You might get a little breather, but soon enough you're going to be on the treadmill again trying to get away yeah I think those game books is it uh, The Way of the Tiger I think it's a Jamie Thompson books isn't it with, something like that yeah, yeah setting orb and yeah yeah and they used to have like innovations like that so you you know couldn't just defeat something it kept coming at you or you had to do something very specific to prevent it going any further yeah that's right yeah I think uh, the challenge, and perhaps uh, later on we can discuss this challenge, is how do you, uh, because of the popularity that it, the zombies had in uh, the early 2000s, really, uh, in, they became a kind of mainstream thing, didn't they? But, uh, mm-hmm. but mainly because of Walking Dead, I guess, and the popularity of that uh, towards the end of um, the early 2000s. Uh, nowadays, I, I don't know whether people are a bit jaded by them, they do feel commonplace, don't they? It's a bit like Twilight and Sparkly Vampires, isn't it, to be honest? Vampires at one point used to be Christopher Lee with uh, like a letterbox of light across his eyes and scare you as a teenager or whatever, but, you know, these days vampires are everywhere and it's like, it's cool to be a vampire now. And, you know, werewolves are cool and you know zombies are cool and you know, those kind of like staples of what were in the 1930s maybe the big horror monsters and there's only one of them are now pretty young adult I guess is the thing that's happened to them they've become popular with the teenage crowd and I think that's what's interesting about the Korean version of the zombie because they took CGI and created them even more relentless and even more vicious something like Kingdom which is a fantastic series it's just so inspiring for gaming but the challenge is, is how do you get something so cool and make it work in a tabletop game? That is a question we shall answer over the next half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or not, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, it probably behooves us to start talking about games a little bit then, and what sort of games there are for doing zombies, and maybe we can come to that question of how would you do Kingdom. Because um, for starters, I'm, I'm already I've got my spreadsheets out, so I'm trying to make some Savage Worlds characters of the main 
characters that are in the the TV show. Ah, right. Because I think there's there's definitely stuff you could do with it there. One of the things that we've discussed offline is um, doing using the mass combat rules. Yeah. So sometimes I did for the grog meet that was, was your convention that you run in in the latter part of the year. Uh, I ran a Deadlands game, which is like a weird West thing, but I had that one of the train lines has uh, zombies that help build the trains and stuff. Oh, it's supposed to be a bit of a secret within the setting. So I had a mass battle, which was our necromancer had summoned loads of zombies and was trying to overtake this town, so we did a whole mass battle sequence with it as well. But I think you can also do it as a, a survival horror thing, almost. Mm-hmm. If, if you set it up that way. So there's, I think you probably, if you're going to run it, when you're choosing which game it is, you have to work out what it is you want to do with it. So do you want a mass battle? Do you want like a swarm a horde trying to take over a whole town? Or do you want it to be on a personal level and uh, the survival of some characters trying to get from A to B or to find a loved one, whatever it might be? Or is it more about the zombies are just the external window dressing and you want it to be more about, for example, King, it could be a political drama and you're trying to work out how to get the crown prince back in charge of the country again. And then it's not really so much about the zombies per se, but that's just the mechanism by which the evil first minister has taken over and that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, the first season of Kingdom is interesting in that regard, isn't it? Because you're right, it is a political drama and that's the element that's very interesting about it and how the animation of the corpses and the transfer of uh, people and the population into zombie-like creatures is it's a, an investigation that you need to discover the reason and the source of it and then it's a race against time to try and find a cure and trying to uh, prevent it getting further and as you like as you say at the same time install the person who should be uh, in charge in charge and you're right i think savage worlds and using the battle rules are perfect for that because we've been using the battle rules and we find them really good. They're a really good way of creating epic scenes and getting everybody involved narratively, regardless of where they are or what their skills are or what their character's capable of. Everybody feels invested in the outcome and the way it works because of the raises and the exploding dice, it can swing from one way to the other it gets really exciting uh, when when it when it works and i think it is a good way of dealing with those hordes coming at you and you know the counters ticking down as your side is doing well and then they're coming back and you do get backwards and forwards uh, gets the players over the table seeing uh, how they can try and add something or you know, come up with some innovative idea to stop the spread. Yeah, for sure. The way the mass battles rules work in Savage Worlds is you have force tokens with, with relative strength and they're only supposed to go down, but a little tweak I made was that thing of adding more. I, you know, at one point, the Boot Hill, wherever his ancestors were, where, you know, little granny and whatever's been put up in, the, in Boot Hill. Well, at a certain point in the battle, I got the necromancer to raise all the ancestors of the city about the Boot Hill to come down and there's reinforcements and that kind of thing. So you can play about with it that way as well, I think. And that I did uh, an element of pathos that people they were trying to fight their own kin then all of a sudden who've clawed the way out of the graves which um, I think that's part of what you've got to do a bit isn't it is kind of bring back bring a horror element to it rather than just be fantasy as it could be for example yeah yeah I had a look at how uh, D&D 5e do it 
and they seem to follow the same features that are in the original monster manual but they make a bigger deal over animating different creatures so having a, a beholder or a, an ogre uh, to yeah. spice things up and um, so yeah I, I don't think very much has uh, changed but it's just this you think they're down uh, but they recover their hit points that is also the uh, feature of RuneQuest. You know, the early RuneQuest sort of they, they just keep coming at you. You've got to take the head off, or else they'll, mm-hmm. they'll just keep coming. Yeah, I, d- I don't know how I don't know how interesting they are in a game like D and D, but then I don't know how interesting many of the foes are in D and D because they, they're quite low level and they're just a bag of hit points in, in many ways. They've got a feature, and you know it might be that. My D and is not great. This is why we need Baz. But I think something like gnolls can flank you, or things like that, and zombies can recover the hit points and stand back up again, or don't take a death blow that they ignore the last hit they take. Or so they've got a thing like any other creature has in D and D, but I don't think it particularly serves uh, the genre well. You can certainly play, you know, Ravenloft to make it all about horror and uh, those kind of like tropes, but I don't think it, the the system itself doesn't give you a lot to kind of help you fit into what's going on. Yeah. That's right. They're, they're immune to certain features or attacks and uh, ways of approaching, so it does spice things up. So if you're facing a beholder zombie, it does make things pretty nasty. I mean, it's nasty enough facing a beholder, but yeah, it just uh, ramps it up another level because they're just harder to kill. They're just harder to stop. Yeah, thinking about all the games that there have been, I've not made an exhaustive list. I've got my little list here of some of them, and I don't think the Zombies have been particularly well served. So one one of the big poster children was um, All Flesh Must Be Eastern, which was uh, it was great in that it, it it did the whole zombie thing first that I can recall on, on any sense of scale, and it has all these source books for different genres like Enter the Zombie, which is obviously martial arts based, and you know various other puns for different uh, genres that you just throw zombies into basically, which is fine, but as a system. It had stuff. It had like skills like beautician, and I'm, I'm trying to think of what source material they looked at. And thought, what people are going to need in a game of zombie survival is the beautician skill. I particularly remember a con game I played about years and years ago, probably decades now, where someone was trying to like kill someone with a nail file and use the beautician skill because they couldn't think of any other way of using it. And you've got things like you know sports lacrosse as a skill. It's like how's that? I'm probably being a bit unkind to all flesh because it is quite an old game now, but. I do look at some of these and think, how how is what you've written on the page of the skills you have and what you do helping tell the story of being in a zombie apocalypse or something like that? And I don't... Is it not to uh, put some lipstick on a zombie in the hope that you can get it past the guards or something? Maybe it is. <laughs> and there's, a, there's another skill called cheating, which made me laugh, because if, if you want to cheat at something. But yeah, and it's just a basic stat plus skill and get greater than nine kind of system. Some of the advice and bits in there were quite good. It had a toolkit for creating the sort of zombies you want. So I've already mentioned you can have like fast or slow ones and that kind of thing. So from that point of view, it had something. But there's a bunch of other stuff out there like Outbreak and Dead and Outbreak and Dead even. There's a D100 simulationist game, which I don't know how simulation I want it to, you know, play in a zombie game. I more want it about the feel and mood hmm. and how do you get some of that pressure and... Uh, worry about your future in there being simulationist and are you going to 
die from getting an infection or something I'm less keen on perhaps but it's one of those games where you can play yourself as a character which again I'm not entirely convinced about FFG used to do the End of the World series and they had like an alien invasion and various other ones but one of them was a zombie apocalypse as well and that's again one where you stat out yourself as a character Right. it sounds a fun concept to just think about but I'm not sure I want to play me especially not now with my gammy knee in a zombie apocalypse that'd be terrible I'd be the first one getting caught just trying to run away. Yeah, exactly. And this extra lockdown weight that I've got from eating That's cheese, right. I wouldn't be able to run. I'd, I'd be very tasty for them. I'd probably keep a few zombies going for a week. <laughs> zombie foie gras all over the place, yeah. Have you ever come across the Red Markets? Red Markets is a relatively recent game. I think it came out about five years ago. It's quite a sizable book. I know you had a dalliance with it, and I've avoided looking because I knew you'd be the expert. Yeah, so, so I'm actually playing a series at the moment, so playing a, a campaign. It lends itself to uh, a long campaign because it's very cyclical. A bit like uh, Blades in the Dark, it has uh, that approach where um, I could talk a lot about um, Red Markets, but I'll kind of focus in on the, on the zombies. The way that it works is that it's very um heavy on resource management so the idea is that everything is scarce and everything that you do do as a character consumes rations and resources so the whole thing is trying to it's a marxist game trying to show how consumption kind of devours the soul it's that's that's the message behind it that you know that to exist in a capitalist society you have to expend uh, effort which costs effort which means that you have to get more resources to fund the effort so it it tries to get you in that cycle and all the uh, mechanics are based around that and the zombies in there so they've been affected by a blight in this post-apocalyptic America and you play as a player character, a taker, who goes out into the loss trying to scavenge. A bit like Mutant Year Zero. The, the difference is, is that your main adversaries are zombies. So out there, there are zombies and they call them casualties because they've been casualties of this uh, blight. So on one hand, one hand, they are your adversaries and they attack in mobs. They come in crowds. But they're also the source of bounty. You need to encounter them and try and avoid being bitten by them. But you need their stuff because <laughs> they've, they're still clothed and they, they need to be harvested to get the stuff from them. And they move in mobs and they uh, your temptation is to blow them up because there's so many of them. However, it's a bit like The Quiet Place they're attracted by noise so if you do blow things up more will come so tactically you have to expend more effort doing it quietly or try and avoid them or make a risk reward calculation whether it's worth using a few uh, tactics like using chumming it's called where you try and lure a bit of the pack away so you can pick off a few at a time and so it, it, it is what that that kind of thing where the mechanics and the setting really try to create this world and uh, experiences the other, the other thing is is that 
this thing called a vector so if some people are affected by the blight but it hasn't killed them yet and the point that they die then the blight takes over and they become energized and they're worse than the mob the normal casualties they become relentless in the way that the korean ones are and they come at you and you have to do a stability check because as soon as they realize that they're dead they apologize to you so they say i'm sorry and it's a scream of cannibalistic instinct that takes them over and they come at you so it is a good it is a good game from that uh, point of view that it does that thing of being built around the setting and the mechanic support that kind of uh, gameplay there's a lot to it and it takes a bit of time i'd say i mean i think you accuse me of having stockholm syndrome from playing it for weeks it is difficult to get into the flow of it and it can be frustrating having to expend your rations and it limits what you're able to do but as soon as you twig actually this is interesting this is putting me in a position of somebody who'd be in that situation where in order to survive i've got to take on these people but the more i take them on the more difficult it is so mm -hmm. yeah red markets it's quite a unique system and as i say could go into it quite a lot but it's sort of got its roots in powered by the apocalypse but some of the features of it would be recognizable from uh, playbooks etc but it has a d10 mechanic where you subtract one from the other so it creates boom bust situations it swings from one to the other right you very really can't predict the way things are going to go now some people like that some people find that incredibly frustrating so you can <laughs> yeah. go from one to the other quite quickly well, that sounds very interesting actually I'm, you almost tell me to, to go out and buy it it certainly uh, develops its own language of acronyms and um, different factions as well and enclaves that exist in this loss but yeah we're in the process of doing the one last job where we can then retire into the recession and so we're on our way to uh, steal some weaponized plutonium. That's only going to go wrong, isn't it? So we'll have to, <laughs> have to see how it goes. So that, that's definitely something you mentioned there, Apocalypse World, and that's something you could do quite happily with. You could just choose that you have Apocalypse Zombies and, mm. and do that. And that, that will be a way of modeling the kind of, it's about you and your community trying to survive. And the external threat of the zombies doesn't matter too much. There's just a threat. That's all you need to worry about. I guess there's, I mean, there's a bunch of other games out there. There's like Rotted Caps, which is super is a zombie apocalypse. There's Rot World. There's even things like Unhallowed Metropolis, which is like a, a Victoriana kind of sort of game, but with Undeaded. And there's all the. I went to look on Drive Through to see what there was, because as we've been talking about it and discussing what we might talk about on the cast, I've been thinking, oh, I could write my own zombie game. I'll have a look on Drive Through. There's, there's hundreds of them. <laughs> there's so many zombie games out there. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure which ones will do do it justice. I don't know. I, I guess I'm still trying to get to the, what do people want from it. And I, I think you've expressed there with Red Markets about that kind of um, survivalist element. The the you know the what do you do to survive almost? Yes. And what what you're willing to do? What risks will you take? That kind of thing. There's also a market, I guess, for people who just want to like do it more pulpy. Like Savage mm -hmm. World is one way. 
I mean, would you consider the Walking Dead TV show? And I'm going all over the place with various ideas. <laughs> you have to bear with me. That seems to vacillate between the zombies are an actual problem, and we need to do something right now, and we're going to lose the prison or whatever it is, and then weeks and weeks of we're just hanging out, everything's fine, really. And, you know, and occasionally a zombie will walk past and we'll hit it in the head with a shovel. And there's not. Do you need that kind of like light and smooth? Do you need different themes to a zombie show, or is is that grinding, relentless thing in red markets? Does that keep you going? Does that keep you coming back? Or would you want more light and shade in it? Would you want different systems or uh, a different capability in the system to give you a, more feel, to give it more longevity by having different types of scenario? I must admit, before I'd started playing red markets, that was because I love monsters and the thought of just having the same adversary every time did put me off a bit but I think to take the walking walking dead example there's enough in it to do with the drama between the characters and the different enclaves that you have to deal with and negotiate with and you've got some other uh, ability to kind of tap up people and you've got connections and networks that you need to like walking dead that becomes more interesting really than the zombie hunting or being pursued by zombies living in that world becomes interesting in itself the walking dead overplays its hand doesn't it i think it tries it it ends up becoming very soap opera whereas at the beginning as you say it's that thrill of thinking what's happening and and once once you've that's been revealed, there's very little else to it other than hmm. Andrew Lincoln. <laughs> One of the other shows I watched, I think I rewatched actually fairly recently, was Black Summer on Netflix, based on some other thing in the same world as. I don't know that one. Yeah, the first season's not too great, but then it kind of I think the second one's better. It it kind of replays or goes back in time a little bit and does things from different people's points of view. So you'll get a scene, and then you'll think, well, why, why are these people fighting in the forest? And then I'll do it from somebody else's point of view, and then to show you why they got to the forest, or what faction is, and then from the other faction's side, and all that kind of stuff. So that's quite interesting. I think one of the problems with it is, uh, that Walking Dead has as well, is that you start killing main characters off, because, you know, otherwise it'd be cut, you just lose all sense of self of disbelief. If a, a main character will survive for nine series, and there's never anything that happens to them, you the sense of peril goes, so they have to kill characters, but then there's quite a bit of churn of characters, and then you kind of like lose your thread a little bit, or stop caring, or it becomes yeah. hard to believe that the characters that do survive have that plot immunity and stuff like that. Do you think there's a case for having a rotating cast in a role-playing game? Because again, that's something perhaps that you might get to stop it getting samey, or you know, to, to mean that there is peril there so you might lose characters, is, is having... The chance of bringing new characters in and having a, a, a sort of like a troop play, I guess you call it, where you, you can pick and choose different characters, might that give it more punch or more scope? Yeah, definitely. And perhaps a, a change in the patterns of behaviour of the zombies. So, always in these dramas, there is that initial bit where they're trying to understand what's causing this and what is the source of what the problem is well that can escalate can't it so you can find out what it is and then you encounter and and you've worked out all the ways of dealing with that particular version of the zombie and you've got a cure so that when you're bitten you don't turn into one but what 
then you have the super zombie don't you that is more powerful and uh, quicker than the others and has started talking so that that it brings another dimension so wh where's that come from what's causing that another way is to um introduce new characters as you say but also to soup up the zombie and uh give it new abilities and um, new motivations hmm yeah i'm, I'm pay playing a bit of back for blood at the minute a computer game which is the spiritual successor of left for dead which you're basically in a team of four people called cleaners or survivors or whatever and you, you've got to do various missions and get from various places or pick things up with uh, zombie hordes and that can become once you've played it a few times, you're reasonably competent. It, it feels comfortable. You know, the, the zombie, a horde comes to call it. There's this howl comes up to give you an audible cue in the game, like, oh, there's loads of them coming now. But you, you can handle it after a while. You know what you're doing. You've got someone who's good at swinging a baseball bat, and someone's got an automatic weapon, and someone's got the sniper rifle, and you think it's quite cool. But the other thing it does is, is add those big things in. There's, like, crushes and bloaters and spewers and all these weird and wonderful big and different ones that do different weird things, and they can really mix things up in ways that make everybody run around with their arms in the air on fire and stuff and it gets very exciting I'm not sure about how I feel about it like, it definitely give, has given the game more longevity for me mm. but it doesn't feel like a zombie game anymore at that point, it feels like we've gone in, more into a, a wider horror game if you know what I mean Yes, yeah. which I'm not saying is a bad thing necessarily but I'm just wondering about there's possibly just a limit to just doing zombies I think Yes. Uh, if, if they stay the same I guess it's if you're playing D and D and just fought orcs all the time, and you could have you know different types of orcs, and some orcs are on the polar bear, and some orcs do it well. But also at one point, you'll you'll have to get to the point where you have giants instead or something, because there's only so many orcs that people can handle. I would guess. And and we've talked a lot, haven't we, about hordes and um, troops of uh, zombies as adversaries. Mm. There's something about the early point where a zombie appears where a single zombie can be a threat and horrific. Because I do think there's something about the dead and facing the dead, whether it's somebody you're familiar with or not, it does tap into different emotions, doesn't it? And it's mm. very culturally determined. We've just been playing Children of Fear, which is set in North India and China. And without doing any spoilers there's particular scenarios in there that really challenge western ideas of death players can say, what are you making us do here but <laughs> it's because it's different cultural context and because of the cultural context people have a different attitude to it so there is something about tapping into that as well isn't it on a more on a quieter level without the hordes or anything how just a few can cause mischief and horror uh, just by their very presence particularly if it's somebody uh, that you know yeah for sure and there's um it's not necessarily zombie related but my one of my friends was down in um south america he did a did a bit of a tour a, a year or two ago and just like quit work and went off for 15 months to tour south america and go weird and wonderful places and found all kinds of things like dinosaur bones and and whatever they're just lying around with no like if it was in the uk there'd be a heritage site and rocks and you wouldn't be allowed anywhere near it but out there in the boonies it's like give me five dollars i'll go and show you where the dinosaurs are and they're just like you can just go up and lick them if you wanted to but one of the things he found up down this winding path in this mountain is um 
some guy had been carving all these weird carvings into the side of a mountain. And then it was, um, they had like a storeroom when they went in, and there was loads of bodies in, but they weren't like led out as you imagine in the Western style. They were all in like jars. So a big glass, sort of maybe three foot high things with faces in, and then like the, you know, the fingers pressed against them, and the features are all distorted because they've been basically stuffed into these jars and some kind of fluid put on, and then a big stopper put on. They've been there for, you know, a couple of hundred years or whatever. And you can just imagine one of them coming to life. The glass shatters, yeah. and one of them like unfolds itself. And, like, oh, that'd be horrific, you know. Yes. And then, and, and you can just from that, there's a story there about well, what are all these carvings about? Do they bring these things to life? Do they keep them? contained in the mountains they can't get out like who's the guy what so yeah if you look at other cultures and stuff there's already some great stories you can you can make which makes it it's not just a zombie it's there's there's a whole weird wonderful thing that could be going on in the background and like just does hitting in the head work i don't know maybe for this particular type of creature that's not a a solution yeah there there is something isn't there but if one of the an eyeball just uh opened and swiveled around in one of those jars uh, you know, that's a horrific moment. Some little air bubbles pop up or something. Yes. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you sometimes forget that when you're thinking of zombie hordes, that, mm. that little uh, intimate moment. What about player characters as uh, zombies? So the the classic I'm going to mention, and you, you're just leading me into mentioning Savage Worlds and Deadlands and things like that again. But... I, am. I am. Yeah. I, I, I can't shoehorn Hot War in, I don't think, but let's stick with Savage Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring it up in a minute, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you can play Harold, yeah. which is cool. So there's a chance when you die in a Deadlands setting, or Hell on Earth, or Lost Colony, that you come back mm. and you didn't die, but you, you carry around your death wound with you. So you've got to keep that disguised, and depending on how you died, that might be quite difficult. And uh, there's stuff like animals don't like you anymore, and you've got to constantly drink so you can try and pickle yourself and get rid of the death smell that follows you around. And yes, and you can get powers and stuff in Camp Coup by killing monsters and stealing their powers and things. Yeah, I've just I just played a Harrod in a game, and uh, it's uh, this Manitou, isn't it? You, you're possessed, so there's the opportunity to release the devil so you can let this manatee take control of your body and you uh, have additional powers for a short period of time however you have to roll on the table and uh, those powers can turn bad because we, we tried rescuing somebody being attacked by these big mecha dinosaurs and i thought this is the moment i'll let the devil out and uh, yeah sure it helped but then I had the instinct to go and murder someone, so I started turning on the person we were meant to rescue. So, <laughs> so I I was more of a problem to the party <laughs> than they were happy when the manatee was in control. To be yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that plays into the revenant, doesn't it? The, cliche from uh, a stereotype from westerns a high plains drifter and uh, as, as, as you say it, 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 to recover you have to eat raw meat and have a steady uh, supply of a uh, needle and thread to sew yourself back up yeah and what's that smell what is that smell <laughs> yeah it's quite and there's opportunities there as well when the, the other players realize perhaps I mean, you can play it quite hotly and just say, well, I'm a Harrod now and carry on with your game. Mm. But there's there's definitely role-playing uh, goal to be had there if, if you uh, pretend that you just recovered 
oh, you saw a doctor, or it wasn't bad as you first thought, and the other characters start to realise that there's something wrong with you, and then they've got a moral quandary about what they do about that. Yes, yeah. You need a strong group, because you don't want players murdering other people's characters all the time, but uh, there's definitely juice there to be had if you want it. And I am aware of um, people who've played uh, D&D whose characters have been killed and they've resurrected them as uh, undead zombies to complete the dungeon as zombies. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had that. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pushing your luck. Just to finish off on that point, that is an interesting thing you could do with D&D. If someone's resurrected, you generally just play it straight into D&D. It's like playing a computer game and you've, you've... you spend your diamond or whatever and you resurrect it. Okay, it's me, I'm back again. There's something to be said for the DM and the player having a conversation and going like, well, you come back, but not not as you were. You're different now. There's some, you know, you, you could work together about what infernal influence or what other thing, it might be some abyssal influence might be there now. Or it might not be you. There might be a different spirit or a soul that came back into the body. So there's 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 ways of tweaking, I think, even something like the, the basic D and D game and making it more interesting about what happens after death and who is that person who's walking around with us who can cast fireballs and being a bit weird now. Yeah, yeah. Being a gamer from the eighties, one of the foundational texts is, of course, two thousand AD, mm-hmm. and uh, back in the zombie boom of the late nineties, early two thousands, they had a character called Zombo. Don't know if you know Zombo. Pass me by that one. So uh, Zombo is a, a government asset that is undead, is an animated uh, zombie, and he is used for retrieval missions on planets where a place called Kronos would be. It's so such harsh conditions that it wouldn't be right to put a normal agent in. So he's right. he's dropped in to recover somebody's crash landed I think it was around the time that Lost came out so it was partly inspired by that that this plane crash has happened so Zombo is dropped in to try and recover the, the passengers from this uh, this plane um, but he's got this desire all the time to just eat them because that's uh, <laughs> it's his nature it's in his nature uh, so uh, he's, he's, a, he's a super spy character who is uh, undead and so the government have to uh, control these desires by a cod piece that he wears and they put in electronic uh, electrical charges to try and uh, bring him back round. but it did strike me that that would make a great one shot wouldn't it to have a group of player characters who were government assets who were animated corpses who uh, went into harsh conditions and it allowed them to have all kinds of features, but they also had weaknesses and desires that they had to try and suppress. Yeah, that would be an interesting one, Chat. I look forward to that at Grogney. <laughs> Zombo. <laughs> so we've mentioned a few times um, K-Zombies, for short, the Korean zombie genre, and that seems to bring new life to it. I think there's, there's no zombies like Korean zombies. They tend to be, I don't know, just more visceral. I don't. I think maybe it's the physical effects, maybe it's the the gusto with which the actors throw themselves into the role. They just seem to have more urgency, more uh, more primal, gut wrenching kind of aggression to them. What other features do you think that there are? 
But I think actually the shows have something a bit more to them as well, don't they? They're a bit more rich in terms of having some interesting characters that go along with them. Yes, yeah. So if you take a film like uh, Train to Busan, which is a superb film, if you haven't seen it, recommend it because that is a great action film, which is just a relentless chase, isn't it? It just hmm. starts and just carries on till the end. Um, just keeps accelerating. All yeah, the yeah, yeah. And that starts with a... I think it's a dog, isn't it, that comes back to life. And the, it's the uh, shapes that these creatures, these uh, zombies take that are just so unusual and the sound effects of them cracking and splitting and the heads turning and twisting. There is just something terrifying about them. And it's because in that as in the kingdom it's about this contagiousness of them so mm. as you say there's a group of characters that somehow in this chase you get to know more than any of the others because it's a crowded town but some pick out and um, become uh, cl- you get close to them and you want them uh, to survive and you have those intimate moments don't you where mm. close characters actually have to transform but yeah I think it's I think it's a real sensibility about the horror of the zombie and this fear and just really well-tuned action scenes as well. So, you know, they're not afraid to do massive overhead shots with swarms of them coming, thousands of them um, converging onto one spot. And I think those things you've mentioned... Uh, those particular sources you mentioned there have, have some interesting bits in as well that a lot of Western shows can kind of like fall foul of. And I think it's stuff that players would do to a degree. There's, like there's a bit in Trent of a Sam where they start like putting loads of duct tape and pads and stuff around their arm so they won't get bitten on their arm. And you think, well, that's the first thing my players are going to do if I run a zombie game. Like, no one's going in like a vest top to fight some zombies when there's loads of them trying to bite their arms. They might get infected. They're going to be wearing like full writer gear if they can get their hands on it, aren't they? Yes. So I think there's the sort of elements like that, uh, and yet on the other hand, in Kingdom, you've got kind of a, a bumbling bureaucratic official who's always trying to save his own hide, yet somehow stays with the party yes. all the way through. And you, and you could see that as a player character as well. There's always going to be one who tries to like get out of the way and shove the people in front of him to take the blow for him and that kind of stuff. And I think that one of the good things about those shows is that you can see how it would be a, a group of PCs in a role playing game. You can definitely see different roles and. Um, yeah, like so you care about them as well, so that they do feel like the player characters. They feel like they've got a little number above the head, and like these are proper players, and the zombies are all extras or whatever. And you can tell with the crowd, some of the others are like, "Yeah, you're not long for this world." Yes, yes, yeah. No, they're exciting. I think it was uh, it, it was a tweet that you did that pointed me towards uh, Kingdom. So thanks for that. And I think uh, you were making comments about the fabulous hats as well. You should watch Kingdom yeah. just to see. The Great Hats, it's... Uh... Strong heart game in the Josian periods, yeah. Well worth a look in. So um, another of the, the zombie games I want to mention while we're here then is... Well, it's a horror game. It's Dead of Night, a good friend of the show, Andrew Kenry wrote. And that has survival points in it. So you can you can choose it in various different types of horror game. And your survival point, your hit points, they're your luck. They're your plot immunity, basically. So you can spend them for all kinds of things. But while you've got survival points, you won't die. Once you're out of them, something bad happens to you, then you're out of the film, basically. And if you do things that are tropes for 
a horror film like something I'll I'll be right back and you go outside on your own then you weren't survival points for doing dumb stuff like that and there's a tension mechanic all kinds of cool stuff and the tweak for zombies which I think is really interesting is that when you get survival points back you get them out of a bag and some of them are a different colour than the others uh-huh. and if you don't tell the players what's happening they're like alright it's like okay you can't spend them what? And if like the blue ones are going down, the black ones are going up, and like they suddenly click that part way through the game, if they've got all black ones, you turn into a zombie now. So oh, and, and right. that's ah. that's a nice little mechanical way of everybody at the table being able to see how close other people are to getting to becoming a zombie as well. And you kind of want to get survival points because that's how you stay in the game. But the, every time you pull one out, there's more chance you're going to get more infected and that kind of thing. So that's a neat little mechanic that works well for that that genre. Yes. Yeah. What was that again? Dead of Night. I don't. Dead of Night, yeah. yeah. It's a really cool game, especially for conventions and stuff like that. And like I say, it's got various different little bits and pieces of mechanics, so you can cut it up for different types of horror games, but Zombies is one of them. Right, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. Yeah, another aspect of Zombies, uh, and you know, mentioned earlier about cultural zombies, is the mummy as well. That's a, mm. a trope from the cinema again, isn't it? And uh, gothic horror. And so I think... Uh, it's fungi from Yugoth has got a great animated mummy that appears in it uh, in, in that campaign but there, there is something else about these attitudes to uh, death and you know I've been reading recently about in the Victorian era how there was this period of time where they were recovering the mummies from the tombs in Egypt once um, the empire had taken control over France and obviously they just went over there all the rich as an act, rich people as an act of philanthropy would just go over there and fund these expeditions and uh, recover steel if you like um, the treasures from the pyramids mm-hmm. and then they would come back and they would have these theatrical events where they would unwrap the uh, the, the mummy and they'd have like these shows where people would see what was in it as a, as a a source of fascination so i do think that there is something that compels us as human beings towards the dead not only as horror but kind of a source of fascination uh, that Mm. as a game as you can really tap into and i've definitely got an idea that i'm working on for cthulhu by gaslight that uses this idea of the unwrapping of uh, mummies and what that can bring on unleash onto uh, London by Gaslight. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, another yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there is an element of curses as well. That's another kind of mm. thing that, like, I suppose that in a, in a little way that sort of ties into some of the voodoo myths that there are. But yeah, you could be cursed with zombies. It does sort of like make me think of if you steal something from a tomb, be it uh, in the D&D world or whatever it is, if it was a lich or a necromancer or something, would they come after you? Would they be bothered? Or would they just raise legions of undead yeah. to come into you? And then there could be problems in, I don't know, Lankmar or whatever city you're in suddenly suffers from a plague of the unliving and everybody's trying to work out why it is. And then, you know, all, all fingers are starting to point towards you and what do you do about that? And that, that gives you then the aspect of how do you manage the political situation around what's happening and, and that kind of thing or... Yeah. Do you just try and give it back quietly, or what? What do you do, basically? Yeah, that's that's a really good idea. So, yeah, outsourcing the job to a legion of zombies recruited locally. Yeah, probably on a zero-hour contract or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've got all the time in the world, haven't they? 
But uh, yeah, another um, another zombie-related scenario I remember is for Earth Dawn. It's one of the Pylanth adventures, and there's um, a woman, a female Scrang called Twiceborn, who's undead who lives under Pylanth now. And every year they have a carnival of the dead, where she turns up with loads of other undead, and they, they have these games of chance and all kinds of things. And the scenario involves basically one of your friends uh, bets his his soul or his life or whatever on a, a particular dice roll and obviously loses it and gets dragged off into the dungeon and you've got to kind of go on, go on getting back and that kind of thing but I think that that was interesting from the point of view of having like everybody knows the zombies are there like they, they are part of the the I guess, I guess it's a sort of living dungeon you call it but they're living there and they turn up in town and people just kind of accept it I think that's probably one of the things that is different in playing with them in a, a lot of fantasy settings, when you can resurrect people, when you can travel to other planes and do other stuff like that, is that there is there's definitely a danger there. They just become prosaic, don't they? They just yes. that zombies are a part of everyday life, and you could they can be hanging around. But I guess you could lean into it in games, and like you're saying, have them as servants rather than pay people to have slaves in your world. Maybe you just pay a necromancer to bring someone back to life, and then carry your skill books around for you or whatever it is you need doing that day. Yeah, I think I think zombies as automatons though are the ones that it starts to become a bit boring. I do like the idea of uh, contagion. Another game that uh, uses zombies in con- as a source of contagion is um, RuneQuest in Glorantha. Uh, there's a particular tribe of uh, Prax which doesn't get spoken of very often, but it's this cannibal tribe that. It's essentially it is like a zombie uh, tribe that uh, consume, attack, and raid the nomads of uh, Prax and uh, take them over, and uh, be, just roam around the place, destroying and defiling. And every so often, the uh, the nomads, uh, the bison riders, and the high llama riders have to get together to try and suppress these zombies. Otherwise, they can just take over. And that that was quite an innovative idea that originally appeared in the Nomad Gods war game that Greg Stafford did. You know, it's one of the early sources of uh, Glorantha before the role-playing game came out. So that's uh, quite an exciting um, use of the uh, zombies, which I find more appealing than the idea that there are lumbering automaton d- put, yeah. put, put, no, I agree. putting the kettle on and... Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely for me. Yeah. I like the other bits that are woven into the, the kind of Glantha myth around that as well. So Humax, the god of mm. death and truth. And once you're dead, you're dead kind of thing. So he's other people can ask for divine intervention to be brought back to life by their god, but they can't because you know, you're yes. just dead when you die. That's it. And So things like the undead are an absolute anathema to Humax and they'll go out of the way to kind of put them down because it's yeah. a curse in the face of their god and that kind of stuff. So there's there's lots of cool bits like that in, in RuneQuest and stuff which are all interwoven. And everything kind of fits together in different ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I said I would mention Hot War. I'll just briefly do it. Like that's yeah. basically set an apocalypse. So you might as well say there's zombies out there as well because yeah. the Soviets had these weird biological weapons and stuff, and there's monsters in it. So you could do a zombie apocalypse game with Hot War. That'd yeah. be perfectly good. And that is how you do all the political shenanigans you wanted to. Because Hot War, as I say, every other podcast on here. Yeah. It's great for having personal and factional agendas and stuff like that. And if you're constrained for resources or there's a virus to contain or whatever it might be, having your, on the face of it, agenda where you're all trying to pull together maybe or you've all got responsibility for a different part of the city and you're trying to 
make things work and also have your personal agenda underneath, like bring my daughter back to life or whatever it might be. There's definitely loads of meat on the bone there for, for kinds of shenanigans that might go on. I'd have been disappointed if you didn't mention Hot War. And I still haven't played it, so we need to put that right. I need to have a game of that. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll get one sorted out with zombies as well. I'm yes. quite sure. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever I need to do. Okay, um, we're, we're coming close to end of time. Uh, we've been rattling on more about zombies than games, to be honest. Are there any uh, features of zombies in games or game systems or anything you can think of that might be appropriate to mention there? I think... It's just having to think about um, the spells, isn't it? And, we, the, and, and those uh, motivations for what creates a zombie and the very act of uh, creating zombies um, can be inter- interesting spectacle. And what are the components that are required to uh, create these uh, uh, these things? As you say, we keep coming back to uh, Kingdom, but that is really the source of it, isn't it? The, it's this uh, elixir. Uh, that they're trying to uh, maintain the king's life that just got loose and uh, <laughs> it started contaminating the, the the population. But just thinking about the spells that are out there and the spells in systems that allow for zombies and whether you can actually create them on the fly so they can become part of a scene if the spell's available or the elements available to do it or whether it requires a more ritualistic approach. Hmm. There is something to be said for it as, as a threat if, if mm. a player is captured or a player character or one of their loved ones and it's not just that they will be killed, you know the cult's going to turn them into one of the undead That yes. it's like, what what's worse than death kind of thing, it, it adds an extra layer of piquancy to the uh, scenario if something like that's happening I think Yeah, and I hope over this uh, hour that we've been talking about it, it's given people a few ideas how to use uh, zombies in interesting ways because I think that's where we started off from wasn't it just Mm. asking that question of they're so prevalent they're everywhere how can we use them in uh, interesting and different ways yeah I was thinking about I might write a zombie game but then have a look at Don's drive through the millions that are there already maybe I won't but it's still there I think there's 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 elements to to the stories that you might want to bring in so I'm minded of things like Pendragon with its passions and traits and might you have something like humanity and callousness or something like that as a, like a seesaw of like what are you willing to do to survive in a world where the zombies are taking over and that will give you benefits in some circumstances and perhaps not others so yeah. uh, maybe if you've got high callousness it means you can do pretty much whatever you want to, to get to survive and do the things you want to but if you have to speak to people or ask someone for something they can just tell that you know, you're dead behind the eyes and maybe it's more difficult to that but Conversely, if you like, you, you know, you you seem trustworthy and you're open-hearted and stuff like that. Maybe you have to try and help people more when they ask for it or that sort of thing. So, I think there's uh, there's definitely there's opportunities there if we look at the sort of things that happen in zombie games and movies and films and stuff like that. Of the the sort of things that happen that aren't necessarily zombies, but can affect how players might have to act in a particular way. Yes. A la Pendragon, where there's certain modes of behaviour expected to follow. You can probably apply those tropes to a game without necessarily having to add loads of extra rules or anything like that. Yeah. I'm definitely going to uh, work on that Zombo idea as well. quite like the idea of having uh, play characters as uh, assets that can go into dangerous places because they're already dead. (laughs) Sounds very interesting. 
Well, the time is against us. Unlike zombies, we can't live forever. So uh, thanks very much for coming on, Dick. It's been a, a pleasure to have you again. It's been uh, great having this chat. I always come away from the smart party with uh, great ideas, so it's good to be part of it. Thanks, Gaz. Thanks very much as well to my patrons. Anyone who supports the channel, if you just share it, tell your friends, spread it on social media, retweet, like, whatever else you do, leave us a review on iTunes or something like that. All helps us out very much. Until next time, dear listeners, bye-bye. Goodbye.